Well, welcome to Outer West Community Church. As I said, um, we are in uh, our second part and actually wrapping up our series on community. And so thanks for joining us this morning. I want to share with you a quick story. that hap uh, This happened to me about three years ago. Three years ago on a Sunday afternoon, I felt some of the most pain that I've ever felt in my life, right here in my stomach area. I thought it was maybe the Thai food that I had for lunch. So I told my wife, she said, just take some antacid, some Pepsid, you'll be good. But an hour goes by, my wife at this point had left the house. She's gone shopping. And here I am at the house, the pain has gotten worse. And I'm in so much pain, and this never happens, this has never happened before and since then. I called my wife and I told her, you need to come home, I'm in so much pain right now, like I can't handle it. My wife comes home, she finds me in our closet on the floor, holding my body. And her version of the story, she says I was crying, but I think she made that part up. <laughs> so much pain, and I've never done this either before, so much pain that I took myself to the emergency room at the hospital. Never done this before. So I go to the emergency room, I check in, it's packed out late at night. Tell the lady that I'm here, I have some pain in my stomach, I don't know what it is. She said, you got to wait. And so I waited about an hour in the emergency room, pacing back and forth with so much pain. They finally call me in, take some blood work, and they said, okay, you got to wait a little bit longer. The doctors will call you in after they review your blood work. Finally, the doctors call me into the room, sitting there waiting for the doctor to walk in. He walks in, young doctor, he walks in, he's got the paperwork in front of him, and he says, Mr. Thomas, I got some bad news for you. I said, uh-oh. And he said, there's a couple things going on with you, and we can figure out what the issues are. We can give you medication for it. You'll be all good. So the first thing is, you have a yeast infection. I'm going, what? I didn't even know what that was, so he had to explain it to me. I'm freaking out a little bit. And he said, yeah, don't worry. You can take some medication and you'll be fine. I'm trying to figure out how did this happen. I eat a lot of bread. It was the yeast from the bread that's infecting me or what's happening here. And then he says, I got one more thing for you. You actually have diabetes. And I'm going, what? Like my whole life has flipped upside down. Thinking of all the times where my wife told me, stop eating those crumble cookies or the HEB creamy creation. Stop it. It's all catching up to me now. I got diabetes. It's a 32-year-old. I'm freaking out. I'm think, rethinking my whole life, the steps I got to change and the moves I got to make to be a better human being. And she, he says, don't worry. We'll give you some medication. I'll prescribe some medication for you and you'll be good. You'll be on your way. So he walks out. He says, he says give me a second. Let me come right back. Sitting there for five minutes, pondering this news that I've just heard, that I got all these issues. Another doctor walks in, a female doctor. She says, Mr. Thomas, I'm so sorry that that doctor was reading the wrong patient's file. <laughs> some of you guys actually thought I had those things. Shame on you. And I'm thinking, I got some doctors in my family. I'm thinking, you guys get paid way too much to be making those type of mistakes. And so... She tells me the news. She says, I'm sorry, it's a wrong patient's file. I think what you had is a kidney stone. And while you were at the hospital, you passed the kidney stone. Now, if you've never had a kidney stone, this is the first one I had in my life. It's very painful. Like it's worse than labor. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. I say that to mess with my wife all the time. But it is very painful. Kidneys, though, you never think about your kidney, right? You don't wake up every day and think about your kidney unless you've had complications with your kidney. 
Kidneys are one of the most integral parts of your body. I don't know if you know this, but in boxing, a kidney shot or a punch to the kidney is illegal. You can have points deducted because most guys, they're going to need a breather after getting hit in the kidney. Or they're knocked out and they can't continue in the fight after being hit in the kidney. Kidney plays a vital role to the functioning of your body. If you have kidney issues, it can affect your hips and your lower back and your back and different muscles in your body. It's a big part of your body. So the doctor said you got to drink liquid, you got to drink fluids so that this does not happen to you again. And what I realized through this whole experience, and here's why I'm telling you this story. There was a small part of my body that I had neglected and forgotten plays a massive vital role in my functioning as a human being. And as we continue our series on community, Paul says this is how community works. In fact, the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament, he writes about the body being an analogy of the church or the body of Christ. He uses it to show us that there are different parts of the body that are essential. Look what he says in Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 8. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have all the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. He says, this is how community works. Just as our bodies have different parts, through Christ we, though many, form one body. Now we're in Romans chapter 12, and in Romans chapter 1 through 11, Paul has spent his time writing about who God is, what Christ has done. Romans chapter 1 through 11, some might call a theological masterpiece as Paul unpacks the nature of God and the finished work of Christ and how his death, burial, and resurrection affects our lives. And as he steps into chapter 12, what he shifts from now is from who God is and into chapter 12, how our understanding of who God is should impact the way that we live our lives. It should impact the way that we live our lives. Sometimes we get it twisted. We think that the way that we live our lives defines who God is. But it's who God is and what he's done that defines the way that we live our lives. In other words, if the character and nature of God and the finished work of Jesus on the cross does not begin to impact the way that you think, the way that you behave, the way that you talk, the way that you treat another human being, you may not have heard the true gospel. Because the gospel is always transformative. And so when Paul steps into Romans chapter 12, here's what he says. He says... That the place that you begin to live out this transformed life is in community. Is in community. So he says this in Romans chapter 12 verse 5. Let's read that first part of it again. He says, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. Everybody say one body. I want to unpack the first of two points that Paul makes here in Romans chapter 12 verse 5. He says, we, though many... Form one body. We, though many, form one body. In other words, the body of Christ or the people of God are defined by their unity, not their uniformity. We're defined by our unity, not by our uniformity. I don't know if you guys have heard of the Meetup app. It's an app where you can go and meet up with people, you know, find different things to do. When I first came to San Antonio in 2017, 
uh, one of the things I was looking for was a group of people to play ball with, play basketball with. And so in New York, I used to play basketball twice a week. And so as soon as I came here, I couldn't find anyone to play with. So I went on the meetup app and I joined the San Antonio men's basketball group. Here's a couple of other meetup groups that are oddly specific to show you why people gather together. I found that there is a Gilmore Girls Appreciation Society meetup. There's another one for ambidextrous tennis players. That's the skill right there. Another one if you want to cuddle in New York City. Another one for grieving Cowboys fans. That's not even a real one. I just made that one up. Because I know it's a real thing. 30 years coming up. So there are communities all over the world that bond, that come together based on commonality, right? Common education, common ethnicity, common race, common income levels, common politics, common accents, common jobs, common upbringings, common sports teams. But here's what makes Christian community so unique. Here's what makes Christian community so unique. The reason we come together is not because of what we have in common, but who we have in common. All of us understand that we have been loved by Jesus, and that defines us. And because of his love for us, we're on mission together. Because in return of his love for us, we love God and we love the people that he's placed around us, even our enemies. This is what brings us together, the gospel news. That's why Paul writes in Galatians chapter 3, verse 28, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That verse doesn't mean that Jews didn't exist, or Gentiles didn't exist, or males didn't exist, or females didn't exist. It's not preaching uniformity that we're all the same. And that God has gotten rid of our differences. What he's saying is that despite our very real differences, we have been joined together as one in Christ Jesus. I had lunch with a family from our church a few months back. They're both retired. They're both in their 70s. They grew up in Texas, in the country in Texas. They go to our church. I love them dearly. I took a step back and I told them, we've been brought together. God has brought us together from completely different backgrounds. The only reason that a boy from the villages of southern India can have a meal with an elderly white couple from the country in Texas and share a meal together and love one another and care for one another and be on the same mission together is not because we have things in common but because we know that God loves us and in return we love each other the same. God has brought together people that typically don't fit together. Eugene Peterson says that no Christian is an only child. We're all part of the same family. And this understanding of our unity, not our uniformity, helps shape the purpose of community. The gospel joins together people that by the world's standards would never sit in a room together, would never share a meal together. The rich and the poor, the weak and the strong, the faceless and the popular, those with abilities and those with disabilities. This is what it means to be part of the body. You might say, I just don't have anything in common with that person. 
Here's the thing, all of us who put our trust and faith in Jesus have died to ourselves and have been raised to new life in Jesus. That means all of us, regardless of who you are, what your hobbies are, what you have in common, all of us have been through the same life and death experience. We've died to ourselves and we've been raised to new life. And our lives are forever changed because of an encounter with Jesus. Henry Nouwen, he says it this way. Across all barriers of land and language, wealth and poverty, knowledge and ignorance, we are one, created from the same dust, subject to the same laws, and destined for the same end. We are all united. This is why one of our values here as Outer West is diversity, which means that we embrace diversity and unity found within the body of Christ. And so this understanding of our unity, not uniformity, helps us understand what Paul says next in Romans chapter 12, verse 5. Here's what he says. So in Christ, we though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Each part of the body belongs to the other parts of the body. So, in other words, the body of Christ or the people of God are interconnected, not independent. The body of Christ or the people of God are interconnected, not independent. Every part of the body belongs to the other part. The taste of food is useless unless you have a stomach that can process it. Every part of the body is interconnected. It means that we need every part of the body. Every part of the body has a function. You ever stub your small toe and then you realize that that toe that you thought was not important now has thrown off your entire balance in life? The beauty of Christian community is that all of us have something to offer because all of us have the same spirit of Christ who has uniquely gifted us. We all have something to offer. So there is no hierarchy when it comes to God using us because we all have a function and we serve one another. Just as every part of your body serves the other parts of your body. So Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians as well as he writes to the Corinthian church. And here's what he says, 1 Corinthians 12. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. What a beautiful way to explain how we're all interconnected, joined together because of what Christ has done. Over 50 years ago, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he said that 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. And I think what he was alluding to was a split body. What he was preaching was that all of us has been united in Christ except on Sunday mornings. 
Now, we've made progress in that, but we've got lots of work to do in that area as well. But here's one area where I still feel like we're separated among other areas. And this is a passion of mine, but also of our church. One of the biggest minority groups in churches on Sunday mornings are those with special needs. It's why we started a special needs program. We have a buddy program so that if you have a child with special needs, you fill out a form and each child will be assigned a buddy. And we're working on bringing that beyond our kids' age to our students and high school and adults as well. And we realized once we rolled out this program that there was this part of the body that is being so underserved by churches all across America. Don't get me wrong, there are some amazing churches doing really good work. We had a mother that came to church earlier this year. And she chucked in her kids and she listed another child who was not with her as she checked in. And so one of our volunteers asked, hey, where is this child? Why didn't you bring her to church? And she says, well, my child that I don't bring to church has special needs, so I don't bring her to church. Because churches typically don't have a space for her. And so we told her about the buddy program. She brought her daughter to church after six years of not going to church because we simply said, we'll serve this part of the body that's often neglected. And we don't just put them in a room. So they can do their thing together. No, we believe in inclusion and integration. Why? It's good for your kids to be with my kid so that your kids can see that there are parts of the body that don't function the same but have all been united together and knit together by Jesus Christ. The problem is that in the modern evangelical American church, we often highlight certain parts of the body. The most talented, the most gifted, the best looking, the most charismatic. And by putting on stage the most pretty, the most able, the most gifted, and the most talented, what we've done as the capital C church is elevate one part of the body over another part. And if one part suffers, like Paul says, then every part suffers. If one part is honored, then every part is honored. So then we've got a suffering capital C church when we ignore certain parts of the body. Every part is integral. Every part is interconnected, not independent. So when we look around, that's what we understand. We acknowledge that we need every part of the body. But not only do we look around, we also need to look inwardly. And when we look inwardly, what the gospel teaches is that our unity, because of our unity, that each and every one of us not only need each other, but each and every one of us have a part to play in the body. Let's continue to read what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. It says this in verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. We all need each other and we all have a part to play. In other words, Paul is saying there is no Lone Ranger Christianity where we hold things in 
and we just do our own thing and we stay in our own lane. No, we're all interconnected. Paul here lifts a certain number of gifts, and in other passages he, get, he lists different gifts. And these gifts that he lists are not definitive gifts, and they're not the only gifts, but there are a wide range of gifts that God has given to the church, to the people in the church, to do good works. If you don't know what your gift is, talk to one of us and we'll try and help you figure it out. But sometimes we try to make it bigger than it needs to be. We had someone that goes to our church that was telling me a few weeks ago, he had a month where he kind of had a rough month and he had left church and he showed up to church. He said one thing changed him that week. It's not the worship. It's not the message. He said someone came up to him and said, we haven't seen you in a month. It's so good to see you here. And he said that forever altered his, his mindset of community, that someone saw him and recognized him. That changed his life that day, not the message. That sometimes we make things bigger than it needs to be. Sometimes it's simply letting someone know that you see them. We all have a part to play in the body. And there are parts of the body that make the capital C church function and make our church function as well. Just like your body, there are parts of your body that make who you are as a human being function. Here's some stats for you. Your heart beats over 100,000 times a day. Your blood travels throughout your body over 168 million miles a day. You breathe 23,000, over 23,000 times a day. You inhale 438 cubic feet of air. You eat 3.2 pounds of food a day. Some of us more, some of us less. You drink 2.9 quarts of liquids. You lose 7 eighths of a pound of waste every day. You speak 4,800 words every day, including some unnecessary ones. You move 750 muscles a day. Your nails grow 0.000046 inches a day. Your hair grows 0.01714 inches a day. Mine's falling apart, not growing. You exercise over 7 million brain cells a day. All of this happens without you realizing it. The body functions because there are essential integral parts that are doing what they're supposed to do so that the body can continue to function. There are people that come here during the week and pray over the pews that you're sitting in without you realizing. There are people that prayed for you this morning without you realizing. There are people that come here during the week and just wipe down the surfaces that you sit on because they enjoy it. They want to serve. There are people who have families and busy schedules who are physically even weak, who make the church function on a week-to-week basis. The difference between people who serve and who stay on the sidelines are not schedules or busyness or stress. We all share those things. The difference in whether or not, the difference is whether or not you understand that it's part of God's body, you have a part to play. We all have a part to play. They understand that Christ has made us interconnected, not independent. Ben, you guys can come on up. I got a few minutes left this morning. 
Johnny Erickson, she's a writer and author. She's a quadriplegic. And she has this amazing ministry. And she shares a story. She says, when I was in Germany, she's paralyzed, by the way, from the shoulder down. She says, when I was speaking at a church in Germany, a blind woman named Elizabeth served as my interpreter. You can imagine the two of us on stage. Me with my wheelchair and Elizabeth with her white cane. During a break, someone placed, she says, an English language magazine on my lap. It looked like a good read, but with my quadriplegia, uh, I couldn't hold the periodical or turn its pages. So she asked Elizabeth, the blind interpreter, how about if you hold the magazine and turn the pages and I will read it out loud? That way we can both enjoy it. And that's just what we did. I needed her, she needed me. And together we accomplished something that blessed both of us. This is how the body of Christ should work. We need each other. Our combined weaknesses become delightful strengths. Just like the physical body needs our feet and our hands and our eyes and our ears to move forward, we can't isolate ourselves from being part of the body. That's what I spoke about last week. Community means entering into it, not watching it from afar. Community means understanding that you all have a part to play. So there are those of you, many of you, most of you, this church happens not because of our pastors or our staff. This church happens through the Spirit of God working through many of you who selflessly serve this church and the people of this church. You're doing it because you know you play an integral part. And we could not do this without you. There are others of you who may not be. And this is not judgment. This is not to make you feel bad. There's probably good reasons that you're not doing it. There's some of you that maybe have been hurt by serving in churches. There's some of you who have had bad experiences serving. If you're like my wife, she spends her, day, her week every day serving our three kids under four. So on Sunday mornings, the last thing she wants to do is play with two, three, and four-year-olds. But she knows that there are other areas where she needs to be involved, where are other areas where she can serve and help. So there are good excuses, but that does not mean that you stay on the sidelines. We live in a culture that says, serve your best interests, do you, get what you can out of it, make your own schedule, run after your own dreams and desires. This is what shapes our culture. This is what shapes the American dream. It's shaped by this thought, this philosophy called individualism. And individualism is the greatest enemy to community within the body of Christ. All of us, though many, have been brought together in Christ. Regardless of who we are, what our backgrounds are. And when we come together, we embrace those differences. We embrace what we all bring to the table. And all of us are interconnected, not independent. Let me pray for us as we close this morning. Jesus, we thank you 
for your body. We thank you. As Paul writes in another passage, you are the head of the body. You are the head of the church. And all of us have been gifted uniquely to function, to serve the other parts of the body. And in serving the other parts, we ourselves are served as well. We thank you for unity that you bring us and you remind us of in a world that is oftentimes divided. In a culture that oftentimes divides us. We pray for those, just as we did last week. Maybe they've separated themselves from the body. Because one part of the body hurt another part. Pray, Lord, that you would bring healing and strength and protection and peace. We thank you for those who serve you faithfully. Would you put wind in their sails? Would you help them to continue to serve you? out of joy, out of an understanding that you've gifted each and every one of us for the work of ministry within the body of Christ. We thank you that your church will continue to function not because of human beings, but because of your spirit that is at work inside of human beings. We thank you that we all belong and we all have a part to play. It's in your precious name we pray.